Welcome to Verse by Verse, the teaching ministry of Pastor John Reed from Calvary Chapel, Northwest Reno. You'll want to grab your Bible and follow along, verse by verse, with Pastor John. And they told her, okay, here's the deal. This window that saved us is going to be the window that saves you. Because you will tie in this window this scarlet material, this scarlet cord. And if we see it's tied to that window, when we destroy the city, all your friends and family who remain in the house will be saved. And you know the story. She saves her father, her family, who stay in the house that has the window with the, the red, the scarlet material tied on the window. A window of action, a window of good works. She saves the spies, and the spies save her scarlet like blood. I think of Corey Ten Boom, the hiding place. She was a Christian. She had faith, and she put feet to her faith, and she hid the Jews. She smuggled out Jewish babies. They had built a, a fake wall and made a smaller room upstairs where they can hide Jews in little compartments from the Nazis. And her and her family proved their faith to God by sparing and saving God's people, the Jews. You can read the book, The Hiding Place by Corey Ten Boom. So are you righteous like Abraham? You can have faith and works. Or are you wicked like Rahab? You can change sides. You can repent. And God can even use a sinful pagan prostitute. Yes, there's hope for all of us. Verse 26, for just as the body without the spirit is dead, so also faith without works is dead. When you die, your spirit's going to leave your body. Some scientists have actually weighed the body and said when death occurs, just it's like something's left and it's just a little lighter. And they think, could a spirit have weight? I don't know. But when the spirit's gone, you're gone, right? The heart stops, the breathing, you're flatlined, you're gone. Your spirit's in heaven or hell, and your remains are here. And we understand that when your spirit leaves, you're dead. The body no longer has life. You're dead as a doornail. You're on, on the flat coffin. You're in the morgue. The same thing with faith. If your faith doesn't have works, if it's not alive, if it's not real, your faith is dead, it's no use to you, it ain't going to get you to heaven. You're truly not a born-again Christian. You have fooled yourself. You have been deceived. Your faith is no good. Verbally navigate your life. James 3, verse 1. Let not many of you become teachers, my brethren, knowing that as such we will incur a stricter judgment, a judgment upon ourselves. You know, if you have too many pastors, teachers, spiritual leaders, uh, they have to live to a higher standard. And God holds you accountable for 
what you know and your position and what you teach, that you got to practice what you preach, right? I can't just preach it. i got to live it. And so God holds me accountable as a pastor teacher. And if you become a teacher, a pastor, a spiritual leader, God will hold you accountable for what you know and for your position. So don't have too many teachers. Verse 2, for we all stumble in many ways. If anyone does not stumble in what he says, he is a perfect man, able to bridle the whole body as well. We're all sinners, and we all sin just with our mouth. You told that white lie. You know, you said that swear word when you hit your thumb. You know, you deceived your boss. You spread the gossip, you know. Oh, listen to what I heard. The slander, the meanness, the anger, right? We all sin with our mouth. We're all sinners. James is saying, man, if you could just control your mouth, you can control your whole body. You could really live righteous for God. But it's hard. We, I think we sin every day, even as Christians. You need to bridle it now. Any horse lovers, right? The bridle, the reins, the bit, the gear you put around the head, and you can control the entire horse with the bridle. This is his analogy, controlling a horse. Verse 3, now, if we put the bit into the horse's mouth so that they may obey us, we direct their entire body as well. Now, the bit is the little metal piece that goes in the mouth and it pushes, you know, when you pull the reins, it cuts back into their gums and it kind of hurts them and gives them pain. And so they cooperate. Have you ever ridden a horse? So you need the bit, you need the reins, you need the bra, you need all the gadgets, right, to control that thousand pound horse. And that little tiny bit controls that humongous animal and he does what you say right and you say giddy up and you pull back on the reins whoa horsey and you you do the reins to the left and he goes to the left do the reins to the right now some horses will fight you and battle you which i always get that kind of horse i don't know why he wants to throw me he wants me off he doesn't want to cooperate and you gotta pull and some horses there, you just gently touch with the reins on their neck. They can feel it, and you don't have to pull hard, and they just cooperate. You don't have to give them any pain. They don't want the pain. They want to obey. I had church members, come on, Pastor, go horseback riding with us. It'll be so much fun. So the sun is setting, the beautiful, you know, the mountains, and I said to the church members, I'm, I'm so happy. I feel like I'm in a cowboy movie. And I say, so what's the name of my horse? And my friend, she says, well, his name is Thunder. Thunder? Why is his name Thunder? Well, pastor, he's crazy, and he runs off with people, and he knocks them off, and he runs out in the street, and why would you put me on Thunder? <laughs> well, you could control him with the reins, you know. And so me and Thunder had some battles, and... And he wanted to go back. I want to go back home. I don't want to. And I'm like, come on, Thunder, do what I say. I got the reins. And he tried to reach around and pull the reins out of my hand. 
don't let them do that because you lose all control. So I'm fighting them for the reins. And then we're going through a neighbor's yard, and there's a water hose. And he thinks it's a snake, and so he freaks out. And I'm like, no, whoa, boy, it's okay. It's not a snake, you know. And then we're going, and we're out in, out in the woods, out in the desert, and then there's this wild pack of dogs. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, I'm scared of dogs. There's like five of them, and they're vicious, and they're coming at me. And like, Pastor, no, calm down. Turn the back of your horse to the dogs. Turn his butt to the dogs. And I'm like, that's stupid. What? Just do it. And so I turn his back. And when the dogs came, he just kicked the snot out of those dogs. And they ran away, you know, crying, howling. And then finally we get back. And I get off thunder. And he's mad at me because I wouldn't do what he said. And in the end, when I'm off the horse, he gallops in the air. And he's trying to, like, stomp me with his hoofs. And I ran and I hid behind a tree. And, and he's, she's saying, the owner, she's saying, don't let him know you're afraid. And I'm like, he's going to like kill me. <laughs> uh, enough with the horse. Get away from thunder. <laughs> One little bit controls a whole horse. Now, maybe we have some sailors. Maybe you have a sailboat, a speedboat. You're into boating. Verse 4. Look at the ships also, though they are so great and are driven by strong winds, are still directed by a very small rudder wherever the inclination of the pilot desires. You ever go on your little sailboat, your little speedboat, and it's got that little tiny rudder in the back. And that rudder is so small compared to that huge boat. I like going on the cruises, those big ocean liners, and they got just the rudder that seems so small in comparison to that gigantic ship, and it controls it for the wind, the storm, the little rudder. Do you see the analogy? Verse 5, so also the tongue is a small part of the body, and yet it boasts of great things. Do you got a big mouth? Do you speak great things? Oh, I could take you all on, you know. I'll fight you all. I'm number one. I'm the best. Boasting, pride, arrogance. Do what I say. And the tongue can be so little and it can affect and control your whole body and get you into a big mess. Have you done that? I was in elementary school, and I was kind of nosy what was going on in the back of the room because the principal came in, and he talks to my teacher, and she's in tears, and she just fell apart. And, you know, I'm a little kid, and I said, man, she must have got fired. So I spread through the whole school. Oh, did you hear about my teacher? She got fired. She was crying. The principal talked to her. And the whole school was saying, so-and-so got fired, the teacher got fired. And you know what? It wasn't true. I thought it was true. It was like gossip. It was a story. And it just, like, spread. And they called me into the principal's office, and my teacher is there. And says, Johnny, why would you say I got fired by the principal? It was something else, a horrible phone call. I'm so sorry, right? The power of the tongue to spread a mess. See how great a forest is set afire 
by such a small fire. One little flame, one little matchstick, one little cigarette thrown outside the car can set ablaze the whole Sierra Mountains, thousands of acres. Have you seen the forest fires? People fleeing for their lives. Man, sometimes the fires come down into Reno and at night you could see the flames getting closer and people abandon their homes and we put them up at the schools and the media and everyone's, you know, so scared. Wow, the fire's coming closer. Will it kill us? And it starts out so small and becomes huge. And Smokey the Bear says, you can prevent forest fires, right? <laughs> and you put out that campfire, right? You gotta be careful, it can become a disaster. Verse six, and the tongue is a fire, the very world of iniquity. The tongue is set among our members as that which defiles the entire body and sets on fire the course of our life and is set on fire by hell, insinuating the demons of hell. I think Satan and demons and sin uses the power of the tongue to destroy someone, to hurt someone, to cut them up, lie, slander, gossip, uh, attacks. Maybe it's been you and they destroyed your reputation and you just wanted to quit and give up and run away and their words have just set you on fire and burned you up. I call it verbal pyromaniacs. You know what a pyromaniac is? They love to burn things. They set things on fire. They'll burn a house because they want to see the ambulance and the fire engine and the news and the media, and they get all into it. They, they feed off the pains of others from the flames. And there are verbal pyromaniacs. They love to meddle and get involved in, did you hear what I heard, and this and that, and she must be cheating. And, oh, and they are busybodies, and they're on the phone, and they're spreading gossip, and stories, and slanders, and lies, and power plays, and at work, and home, and the neighborhood, and they're stirring it up. And they're playing with fire. And here's the thing, if you play with fire, you will get burned. And when you spread gossip, slander, hate, anger, vicious words, it will come back on you, and your very life will be burned up. So I would, you know, if that's you, repent of that. Ask Jesus, forgive me, change my mouth, change my heart, help me to have a real faith, and may it take effect of my mouth. I can relate to that. I was a little kid who had a bad mouth and cussing and screaming and fighting and viciousness, you know. But then you get saved, and God changes your mouth and your heart and your words, and the swear words fade. And, man, even like my babysitters and stuff, they'd be like, Johnny, we're washing your mouth out with soap. My Mexican babysitter would take me to the refrigerator. She had a jar of hot chili peppers, and she's like, can you open your mouth, please? And she'd shove that chili pepper and go, wow! <laughs> and she's like, Johnny, you're not going to cuss at me anymore, are you? No, I won't. I'm so sorry. Till the next day. <laughs> Till Jesus changed me. <laughs> 
walk like a Christian. Verse 7. For every species of beasts and birds, of reptiles and creatures of the sea, is tamed and has been tamed by the human race. The analogy of the animal kingdom, the zoo, right? The power to change an animal, right? Uh, I love, you know, SeaWorld, Marineland, and they train those animals. Little penguins come waddling out, you know, in a line, and the seals balancing the ball, and the dolphins are flipping and swimming with their trainers, and then they bring out the killer whale. And they're riding on top of the killer whale, and I'm like, oh my gosh. Humanity training the animal kingdom. But there is something so little that we cannot train. It is so powerful, verse 8. But no one can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil and full of deadly poison. Like the poison of the Nevada rattlesnakes. We had a little baby rattlesnake when we were building. And they said, Pastor, get away from that one. He's the worst because those babies just, when they bite you, they let all the venom out. You could get very sick and even die. And your tongue can be like the venom of a serpent, of a vicious snake. I think of Satan, right? He took the form of a serpent. He's behind the words and the deadly poisons. Talking about the tongue, verse 9, with it we bless our Lord and Father, and with it we curse men who've been made in the likeness of God. You know, you go to church, oh, holy, holy God, I praise you, my prayers, my worship, and I come home and I cuss at the kids and I kick the dog and I yell at my wife and I hate the neighbors and I just... But they're in God's image. <laughs> They're God's creatures. You should, as a Christian, you should love people, love your family, love your friends. Your faith should be real. And your faith should change your mouth and your heart. Do you see it? Verse 10. From the same mouth come both blessing and cursing. My brethren, these things ought not to be this way. A double standard the hypocrisy. You can't come to church, be one way, and then you go home, you go to work, you go to, to business, and you're treating everybody bad. It's not right. You know, God convicts me when, I, when I'm in front of the teller, the cashier, the waitress. How are you today? God bless you. You know, I'm going to do my prayer. Can I pray for you? How's your day? Oh, I'm sorry you're going through it. Can I, can I pray for you? Here, here's a card. Why don't you come to church? I invite you to church. And I try to give God's love in different environments. Hopefully we're a Christian wherever we go, right? We're consistent. We're for real. What did the Indians say? White man speaks with forked tongue. You know, the snakes have those tongues that are like forked. Because the cowboys, the Americans, lied to the Indians. Oh, yeah, we'll make a peace treaty with you. Yeah, we'll, we'll trade you this and that. And then they'd break the deal and we'll stick you on a reservation. And the Indians realized, man, you lied to us. You said one thing and did another. Have you met like a, a two-faced person? They're all kind to you in person and then they're stabbing you behind the back. 
slander. And he's saying Christians cannot be this way. 11. Does a fountain send out from the same opening both fresh and bitter water? No, it cannot. It's one or the other, right? It's either good water or bad water. 12. Can a fig tree, my brethren, produce olives, or a vine produce figs, nor can salt water produce fresh? Uh, yeah, you can mix the fruit, right? It's impossible to mix that good and bad and different fruits. Change your speech. Be a man of your word. Stop being a bold-faced liar. Protect the confidences of others. Keep secrets. And don't be a backstabbing gossip anymore. To change, to repent, to give God your mouth and your tongue. What is the point of all this? To get to work. <laughs> that we have to prove our faith, show our faith, let it grow, let it show itself. This whole analogy that James is trying to explain about faith, John's already explained it in his epistle in 1 John, with love, that there's fake love, there's people that say they love you, but they don't. And then there's real love. And he says this, But whoever has the world's goods and sees his brother in need and closes his heart against him, how does the love of God abide in him? First John 3.17 You could tell someone, Oh, I love you. God bless you. Be warm. Be filled. Oh, I love you. I love you. And I can really help you. I could buy you food. I could give you a coat. I could find a place for you to stay. And I don't do it. John is saying, that's not real love. You know, you say you love God and you hate your brother. That's not real love. Same thing with faith. There's fake love and there's fake faith. You see it. And so we need to analyze ourselves, examine ourselves. Is my faith real or is it phony? Work your faith. Put your faith to work. Place your faith in Jesus and his work, the cross, his sacrifice. My works cannot save me. My works are as filthy rags. I need the work of Christ. And through faith, I will be credited with Jesus' work. I will get his righteousness. Do you see it? So you come to the cross. You come to Christ by faith. He's our access. He's the bridge to God. And then when you become a Christian, you follow Christ, right? My sheep follow me. They hear my voice. I know them. They follow me. Just like the disciples, you know, follow me and I will make you fishers of men, right? They left it all. And they, they started walking. They lived. They ate. They copied Jesus. That's being a Christian to model what he taught and what he did to copy his actions. Model the works of Christ, and let's get to work doing the Father's business. Make your faith work to change your actions, your speech, and your whole life work 
your faith. Let's pray. Lord Jesus Christ, make our faith in you alive. May it be real and genuine. May we put feet to our faith and prove and show ourselves to be truly your sheep and your faithful disciples. May we follow you. May we copy you. May we be like a little Christ and show the world who you really are. Make our faith powerful. May it grow like a little mustard seed that does great things. May we put our faith in you, God, because we know we cannot please you without faith. May it be powerful and growing, and may we move mountains with our faith. May we shine our light and be salt on the earth. May we turn the world upside down because of our faith in you, Lord Jesus. We pray always in your name. Thanks for supporting Verse by Verse, the teaching ministry of Pastor John Reed from Calvary Chapel, Northwest Reno at 246 Courtney Lane, Reno, Nevada, 89523. Our phone number is 775-746-4567 and our webpage is calvaryreno.com. You're always welcome to join our services.